Second Timothy chapter number one. Second Timothy one. As I say before, I will kindly say, if you have a Bible, open it. And if you have a mouth, close it. Second Timothy chapter number one. Says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt in thy first and thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in I am persuaded that in thee also. Let's pray real quick, and then we're going to jump into the book of Second Timothy. Not only Father God, we need your help tonight. Lord, once again, we do thank you for the fun we're able to have. Lord, we're able to joke and play around with one another. But Lord, as we come to the word of God, Lord, we know there's truth, Lord, that you have us to apply to our lives. Lord, I ask you to help us not to have met tonight in vain. Lord, we ask that you'd work in our hearts. Lord, teach us something from your word, and we'll get on and work for everything that's done in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to, for the next couple of weeks, maybe months, maybe years, go through the whole book of Second Timothy. We are going to go through every single verse in the whole book. Now, I will tell you that this is what I prefer to do. I, can, I like to skip around and like tell stories of the Bible because Bible stories to me are fun. So I do like going and jumping from here to here. But actually, what I believe we lack most of all in most churches is just opening the word of God, not skipping around, and just going exactly what God had to say. This is what happens sometimes. When I preach around, like even like we just did the series of Daniel, since Brother Arv Edwards just did the prophecy conference, I did not want to get into Daniel 70 weeks. And so, you know what I did? I said, you know what? We're going to a new series. And I moved on. Because sometimes we have a tendency to skip the hard part, skip verses, and just go to what sounds good. Hey, the story of David and Goliath. Love that story. Love to preach it. Love to teach it. Hey, man, Daniel Lyons in. Love that story. Great story. Love to preach it. Love to teach it. But as we go to 2 Timothy, we're going to go verse by verse because this is a very, very, I think, critical book for where we live. If you know the story of the book of 2 Timothy, you know that Paul is a writer and Paul is sitting and he's in prison for the second time. And as Paul is writing this letter, he writes it to a young man named Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor, the first bishop of the church of Ephesus. And when we look at Timothy, as Paul writes to Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, pretty much one of the greatest Christians to ever live, talks to a young man, he tells him, hey, I want you to continue. I don't know if you guys have ever had, like, someone you respected, someone you really thought a lot of, maybe it's a sports figure, maybe it's uh, someone that you thought, and you thought, man, if they would talk to me, if they would let me know, their, like, if you could sit down with a great basketball player and sit down and they say, hey, let me tell you, Kevin Durant, there you go, holler for you. All right, if you could sit down with him and say, hey, show me, tell me what makes you a great basketball player. If you could sit down with a football player, soccer player, volleyball player, any other sports anybody plays in here, player. And they would tell you what, what you, how you ought to play the game or what their incentive is. It's an awesome thing. I remember when I was growing up, my favorite preacher uh, pretty much of all time is Pastor Arbulette up in um, Bridgeport. Since, I've been, uh, since I was a teenager, I listened to Pastor Arbulette preach all the time. If I could find a CD by him, if I could find a tape by him, if I could find a record. 
eight track. No, if I could find anything by Dr. Ouellette, I would listen to it because I loved his preaching. I remember when I was a young man, I wrote Dr. Ouellette a letter and asked him about colleges. I didn't know him. Never. I've seen him before in person a couple times. I shook his hand, but I didn't know him. So I wrote him a letter and asked him what he thought I should do in college. And I remember sending that letter off, not thinking anything would come back. Because in my mind, Pastor Roulette is like this huge, awesome preacher guy that doesn't come down to the masses. And in my mind, I think, you know what, I'm sending this letter off. I'm never going to see it again. And I remember getting the letter back from Pastor Roulette in the mail. Hand signed. And he had wrote what he said, Aaron, this is what I think that you should do. And this is the colleges that I would recommend. And this is what happened. And I remember thinking, like grabbing that letter and thinking, man, this is a great, this is awesome. My favorite preacher just told me where to go to preacher boy school. Man, this is, this is great. And so when I, when I, well, y'all aren't from down south, sorry. Well, down south we call places where you go to college to be a pastor, we call them preacher boy schools. Sorry, I forgot. I translate those things. But, but I was excited that Pastor Ouellette, he wrote me back a letter. Now, if we think just for a little bit, as Timothy, being a young pastor, the Bible says that Paul even writes to him, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Timothy is timid, and he's scared about some things in the ministry. He's scared about some things that are going on. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul tells Timothy, hey, evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. Things are going to get terrible, Timothy. But I believe if we look in the book of 2 Timothy, the theme throughout the book that I want to look at is the word continue. Paul tells Timothy, there's a lot of bad things coming down the line. There's a lot of things you're not going to be control. There's a lot of things you're not going to be able to handle. But what I want you to do, Timothy, is continue that on the things which thou has learned and has been assured of. I want you to continue. And it's almost as if the first generation, Paul, like I said, one of the greatest Christians ever live, is passing the baton to the next generation. And I told you guys last week, more than anything, we need young people who are willing to take the baton, so to speak, from those people that sit out in the auditorium and be able to take it and run with it to the next generation. Paul's going to say, hey, things are going to get bad. Well, Pastor Burden, we don't have to deal with the same things our parents had to deal with. This is a whole new world. It is. And Paul wrote to Timothy and said, yeah, Timothy, I know that. But what I want you to do is continue. And that's for the next few weeks or how long it takes us to get to Second Timothy. We're going to look at this fact of continuing, going, doing over and over what God has called us to do. I told you guys this before. My dad, growing up, me and my brother will tell you, if, we, if you ask my brother one thing that my dad said over and over and over and over again growing up, we'd probably both come up with the same exact thing. My dad used to always say, any dummy can pay attention. He said, I don't care if you make F's, E's on your report card, any dummy can pay attention. And I say to you, as we go through the book of 2 Timothy, you don't have to be a genius to continue. You don't have to be a brain surgeon. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. All you have to do is be faithful. Keep doing exactly what God has called you to do. And this is what Paul's telling Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy. So let's look at it. 2 Timothy 1, we're going to go through verse 1 through 5 today. The author of the book. The author of the book is Paul. It says this. 2 Timothy 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. The author of the book is Paul. You say, Pastor Byrne, why is that significant? Because just like I said before, Paul is probably considered one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. If you know the story of back in Acts of Saul, you know that Saul's whole job 
was to kill Christians. His whole life. The Bible says he was zealous of it. It was like burned deep in him. He hated Christians. He was a religious leader that hated Christians. We know as uh, Stephen is getting stoned, Saul's right there, almost to sign off of it, taking the coats. Hey, stone Stephen. We know that when he's on the way to Damascus, he had just got letters so that he could go through and kill Christians. Everything we were for, Saul's against. He meets God on the way to Damascus. Jesus knocks him off his horse, blinds him. Saul, why, why kick us out against the pricks? And Saul gets saved and he goes and his life is totally changed. The same zeal that he had for destroying God, he now has the desire to serve God. And you know, Saul was, I mean, Paul was imprisoned at midnight. Him and Silas are in jail singing praises to God. The Bible says the jail shakes. The Philippian jailer is about to run himself through. Paul says, hey, don't do yourself no harm. We're all here. It's okay. And he wins that man to, go, to Christ. The next day, they're going to say, hey, Paul, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and go? Because they find out he's a Roman citizen. Paul, why don't you just go ahead and just move along? Just go, we'll release you. We're sorry, about the, we're sorry about the miscommunication there of locking up. And Paul's the kind of man that says, hey, you know what? I'll stay here until I get released properly. He's a man's man. He goes out and he gets shipwrecked. He tells them, hey, we're not supposed to take this trip. We will not make it if we go on this journey. Captain says, hey, we're moving anyway. We're going this direction anyway. Bible says the whole ship crushed, smashed. Everything's gone except for a couple logs they can float on. Paul sits out there in the deep, in the waters, floating on a log, just trying to stay alive. Bible says he goes up to shore, and what does he do? He starts to preach the gospel. Paul is stoned to death outside of a city. He wakes up, dusts himself off, goes back in, and preaches the gospel. Why is it so big of a deal that Paul wrote this book? Because God, Paul was a man that followed after God. See, all this book right here, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. But if you look at the life of Paul, you have to see that this is a man that God used to sit down and write a letter to Timothy that God inspired himself. So we see the author is Paul. Paul sitting here. It's like I said, it's the second time he's been imprisoned. He's imprisoned in Rome under a man that you may have heard of named Nero. Nero was not the nicest guy, if you know your history. Nero did crazy things to Christians. History says that he would wrap Christians up in animal skins and then loose wild dogs on them so the wild dogs would tear them apart. He would light them on fire so he could light his gardens. And not only that, he would hook Christians underneath their neck with a hook and hold them up so that when he poured the things on the head, they did not move their head. And he lit their bodies on fire. And they said that as these people literally fell apart, their bodies were just like streams of light of the fire falling down. Nero's not a good guy. And Paul is sitting here in prison, knowing that he's going to have to face Nero. And he says, you know what? 
I've got to write a letter. And I'm going to write a letter to Timothy. And I'm going to tell Timothy, hey, I've fought a good fight. I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've kept the faith. He even says, most of the time, he says, hey, I'm ready to be offered. Timothy, I'm not coming back from this. Timothy, there's probably not a time where I'm going to come and look at you again in the face because it is probably over. And this is the Apostle Paul sitting down, putting down his last words to Timothy. Timothy, you know what? Things are bad. Timothy, you know what? I know you've got something in you that God's put in you. You need to go farther. You need to continue. We see Paul as the author. We go on, we see the recipient of the book is Timothy. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Timothy. We'll get to who Timothy is in just a little bit because the Bible's, uh, Paul starts to talk about his family. This is what I want you to see, though. Paul's heart for Timothy. Now, I was trying to figure out different ways to take this, but I just want to take the passage straight as it is. I'm not adding to it, not, not putting anything in it. We're just going to take it verse by verse, exactly what the passage said. But what I would like you to see from this, you guys, is you need more than you know someone to be accountable to. I will tell you, and I've told you guys this before, the people in my life that affected me most for the cause of Christ did not get paid one dime for what they did. I told you this before, the, the guy who did our youth group back in, uh, in North Carolina where I'm from, he would, church was probably from his house, maybe down to the end of Linden. I mean, out, out there to Elms and Linden. I mean, not Elms, uh, Kelly and Linden. And it was probably that far. My house was like 15, maybe 20 minutes away. He would drive to my house every Saturday morning, pick me up, and take me to bus breakfast. And he'd take me on bus visitation. And he'd always buy me lunch. We'd go to McDonald's, we'd go to Pizza Inn or Pizza Hut or somewhere. And then he'd take me home. I was very quiet back then. I can tell you that there were probably days that I did not even say five words to him. I would get in the car, sit down. He would say, how are you doing this morning? Doing good, doing good. And then we'd drive to church. We'd sit through the bus breakfast. He was an Ohio State fan. I'm sorry. He was a good Christian man. He had one fault. He may have been an Ohio State fan. But he was an Ohio State fan. He would tell me sometimes, he would tell me about how Ohio State was doing. And I'd just say, yeah. I wasn't really into college football, but I would listen. And I'd say, yeah, yeah. And then he'd take me to lunch, and i do like I was supposed to. Thank you, Brother Mike, for taking me to lunch. And he would drop me off at home, and I'd get out and say, see you next week. I mean, see you tomorrow. Now again, and he would come, and then the Sunday morning, he would wake up, he would come to my house, pick me up, drive all the way back to church, and we'd ride the bus together. And he would, he would, I would go run and knock on the doors so that people, and get the kids to ride him on the, uh, to go on the bus. Brother Mike, in my life, is probably one of the most influential people that I have. Brother Mike never, to my knowledge, after I got in college, we had some serious talk. But up to then, we had never had any serious talk. We never sat down and Brother Mike never said, Aaron, this is what you need to do when it comes to dating. This is what you need to do. But he was just there for me. I knew who he was. I knew he was there for me. I knew if I had a problem, if I had a prayer request, Brother Mike, can you pray for this? Brother Mike, have you, he knew my family. And you know what? That made a difference in my life. And I will tell you this. Your peers, you may have some of the greatest peers in the world. You may have some on-fire individuals. You may have some friends that, you know, when it comes to serving God, they are all out. But I would encourage you to grab an adult. To find someone 
that loves God, that follows God, and come alongside of them and ask them to be help you. Because you need that accountability. You need someone who's looked above where you're at right now. Your peers, they're great. They understand. Some of you girls, the friends, the girls you have in your class, they understand exactly where you're at. They understand exactly what you're going through because they're going through it too. But you know what? Sometimes you need someone who's standing a little higher, has looked a little farther down the road, and can say, hey, you know what? That's probably not a good idea. Guys, the guys on your sports team, the guys you hang out with, guys that you burp and do everything else with that you think is awesome, not just Rachel. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing Rachel. But the thing, guys you do all those things with, all those things with, hey, they're, I'm sure they're great guys. And you know what? They may have a desire to do spiritual things. But you know what? You need someone who can stand up a little taller, who's seen a little farther down the road to say, hey, man, be honest with you. Don't go that direction. You need somebody. And when we look at Paul and Timothy, Timothy is to Paul that. Timothy is a young man who's going into ministry. He's scared about some things, according to if we look through the passage. He doesn't know about a lot of things, but Paul comes alongside of him and he says, hey, this is what you ought to do, Timothy. This is how you ought to live your life. So let's get Paul's heart for Timothy. Number one, Paul prayed for Timothy. Paul prayed for Timothy. Second Timothy 1.3, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Now, I just told you guys, which one are you looking for? Blank Paul prayed. Oh, Paul's heart. Paul's heart for Timothy. And then Paul prayed for Timothy. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I told you how great a man Paul was. Can you imagine your name being on the Apostle Paul's prayer list? Not just once, but day and night. That Apostle Paul thought you had potential, that loved you so much that he said, hey, Timothy, I just want you to let you know, I'm here in prison. I've got a lot of things going on. I've got a lot of churches that I'm trying to report to. I've got a lot of guys that are coming and going. I want you to know, Timothy, I have not ceased to pray for you every day and every night. Paul had a heart for Timothy. You know, it was, I was reading this passage today and I was trying to break it down. I thought, man, is that who on my prayer list? I have people on my prayer list that I pray for every single day. I have people that I know that, you know what, pretty much unless I am sick or something, I, can't, I pray for these people every day. But I was like, man, who do I, on my prayer list do I have that I could say with a pure conscience? I have a desire to pray for them. I love them so much that I pray for them day and night. You know what? Honestly, I'm just being transparent with you. I can't think of anybody. Now, I may pray for myself day and night. God, I need this. God, I want this. God, this is happening over here. But Paul says, Timothy, I care about you so much. Man, you're my son in the faith. Man, I pray for you every day and every night. Who's on your prayer list? You got family problems? Have you even prayed about them? Paul tells Timothy, man, I love you so much. I care for you. Man, I pray for you. Two times a day, if not more. You're on my heart, Timothy. And I started thinking, man, my kids, Shiloh and Tavia, 
They need a dad that one day would sit down and write down and say, you know what? I love you. I care about you guys. I pray for you without ceasing day and night. You guys need a youth pastor that can say out of a pure conscience, I love you so much, guys, that I've prayed for you without ceasing every day and every night. We talk about prayer all the time. All the time. Oh, I would love to be an Apostle Paul. Man, I would love to be a great preacher. I'd love to be a great thing. But you know what? This is where it starts. Caring for people. Actually get on your knees and asking God to help. Who's on your prayer list? Who is in your life that you think, you know what? I love them. I care about them enough to pray for them day and night. Man, my friend's having problems over here, Pastor Burden. I'm having this problem. My family's having this problem. What if I prayed for it? Anything other than my food twice a day. Paul says, hey, Timothy, I love you, man. I have a heart for you. I pray with a pure conscience. Pure conscience, I mean, this is a clean moral consciousness. He says, you know what? I pray for you. And not only do I pray for you, my heart is right before God. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much, James says. He says, hey, I pray for you, Timothy. Number two, Paul knew Timothy's struggles. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Paul knew Timothy's struggles. Hey, Timothy, I'm mindful of your tears. Hey, Timothy, when things over in Ephesus get hard, I understand. And I'm praying for you, that God will work in your life, that God will do great things through you. Hey, you want me to tell you how to make it, guys? Find an adult that loves God, that wants to serve God, and get, a, get right beside him. Find someone that you know is a prayer warrior and take him to your prayer request. Paul says, hey, Timothy, I know your tears. And you know what? It fills me with joy if I can get back to see you, to try and help you through those things. Paul cares about Timothy. You know what? I look at this, and every time I read this, once again, it comes back to me. Who do I know that they know I care so much that I know their tears? I know what they're going through. I know what, and I've been praying for them. It's had to say sometimes, and once again, I'm being transparent. Sometimes I fail to look beyond you guys just talking to me and see the prayer request. Because sometimes you guys are telling me things. And I'm listening to the story and I'm totally missing that you're trying to tell me something that, you know what, Pastor Burton, really what I'm asking you deep down is I need prayer. And I fail in that area. And I look at Paul, looking at Timothy, trying to say, Timothy, I want you to continue. And whenever I look at continue, I have to come back to the point of where am I doing? He cared about the problems. Hey, Timothy, you got problems. I know your tears, man. I know where you're at. And Paul knew Timothy's character. When I call to remind the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Unfeigned faith means this. It's a sincere moral conviction that is without hypocrisy. Sincere moral conviction that is without hypocrisy. And persuaded means he had confidence. Paul prayed for Timothy. Paul knew Timothy's struggles. 
being mindful that to yours, Paul knew Timothy's character. I call to remember the unfeigned faith. Hey, the sincere moral conviction that it was out hypocrisy. This is what Paul's saying. Timothy, I know your character. I know that you can do something for God. Let me ask you this. Is your character characterized by unfeigned faith? Do you have a moral conviction? That's without hypocrisy. Let me ask you this. Do your friends know that, you know what? So-and-so, if we go there, they're not going. So-and-so, well, if we talk about this, they're going to walk away. Do you have an unfeigned faith without hypocrisy? Or do your friends know you as, well, when we're in church, of course we do that. When we're in church, of course I wouldn't say that. When we're in church, of course I wouldn't do that. But I'm home, I'm a whole different story. Oh, man, I'd never talk to my parents like that. If so-and-so was around, but man, when I'm at home, the devil can spew out of my mouth all I want it to. Paul writes, Timothy, Timothy, man, I'm praying for you. Timothy, I know where you hurt. I understand your needs. But he said, Timothy, I also know that you have some character about you. And man, God can use it. You have a, something about you, Timothy. That says, you know what? I'm not a hypocrite. The stuff I preach, the stuff I do, I believe it. And I'm going to live that way. This is why Paul could sit down and write a letter to him. Paul could sit down and write a letter to Timothy and say, you know what? I'm willing to pass the baton to you. He tells Timothy in other passages that I have no man like-minded who would naturally care for you. Paul says, hey, I know that in a young man, Timothy... He's going to be so godly. He's going to walk with God that I know that I can handle handle him in this situation, and he'd handle it the same way I do. Do you have that kind of character? Do you have the kind of character that says, you know what? I have a moral conviction that I'm going to do something inside of me. I'm just going to stand up. When everybody else may be going wrong, I choose to do what's right. It's not easy. Paul tells Timothy that later. Hey, Timothy, you're going to have to endure Hardness is a good soldier. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this world. But he tries to please him who called him to be a soldier. Timothy, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. But I know that you have some character in you. I know that you, you're willing to do what is right. And he says, you know what? I recall that unfeigned face. He says it's from your mother Lois. I mean your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. This is the interesting thing about Timothy. We don't know anything about Timothy's dad. We don't know anything about Timothy's home life situation. To my knowledge and from what I've read, Timothy's dad was a Greek and he probably did not know Christ. And the Bible says he had a mom and a grandmother that prayed for him, that lived right. And they passed down that character to Timothy. Let me just put a plug in. If you are sitting in here tonight and you have a Christian mom and you have a Christian dad, Do not take that for granted. Do not take that for granted. If you have a mom and dad that are still together, that are still bringing you to church and loving you and trying to lead you in the direction that you ought to go, you ought to be thankful for that. Told you guys many a time, my mom, that I knew, me and my brother knew, you don't knock on mom's door between 7 and 7.30. Because my mom's reading her Bible, she was reading her Bible and she was praying. And she was praying for us. I've seen things where I've done stupid things and I've watched my mom with tears in her eyes 
And she didn't know what to do. And she didn't know what to say. And she just tapped me on the shoulder and just say, go talk to Brother Mike. Go talk to Brother Gallon. Because my dad wasn't always what he should be. And she would say, hey, go talk to them. They can help you. And I knew that she prayed for me. She prayed for my brother. There have been times where I've seen, watched my brother Adrian. When we were teenagers, 15, 16 years old. Nine o'clock at night, we're about all about to go to bed. Adrian would go in the living room just quietly. You wouldn't know where he was. And I'd walk in the living room and I'd hear my 15-year-old brother praying. I'd hear him grabbing a hold of the throne of the altar, so to speak. I mean, I'm not talking just like, God, would you bless my family? God, I heard him and I saw his prayer list. And I remember seeing his, he had this old wrinkled red Bible. And I remember seeing this old wrinkled prayer list that was all crumbled up because he'd always pray for it. And just like names scribbled down. And he would pray. He did that when he was a teenager. He prayed and he asked God to help him. And I look at my brother now and I see how God has used him mightily in the lives of young people. I hear people all the time. Hey, are you Adrian's brother? Hey, are you Adrian's brother? Man, we appreciate him coming to church. Probably two or three times at Harvest Fest, somebody came up to me and said, your brother came to my church and it really made an influence on our teenagers. And you know how it happened? Because he had an unfeigned faith. He had some character. He had some moral conviction about him that said, you know what? You guys can go ahead and do what you want to do. I want to serve God. And he's done it. Look at the book of 2 Timothy. The thing that we're asking, continue. Continue. You know what's right. You guys have come to church. You know what you ought to do. Do it. And Paul writes Timothy, hey, Timothy, guess what? Man, I'm praying for you. I pray for you day and night. Timothy, I know your tears. I know your struggles, man. I'm praying for you. And if I can get there to see you, that would be no more of a joy to me to be a help to you. And he says, you know what, Timothy, there's something in you. I know your character. Your mom and your grandmother, they raised you right. And I really want to see you do something, Timothy. We need to continue. Next, we will go through verse 6 through the next couple of verses. And I hope that this, as we go through this book, we'll have a good study, an awesome study of what God has to show us in 2 Timothy. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, God, we ask that you would help us. Lord, first of all, I ask that you'd help me. Ah, that I can say with that pure conscience, Lord. Lord, that my prayer life is where it ought to be. Lord, I pray the same thing for these young people. God, I pray... That you'd help me, God, to understand other people have difficulties. Lord, not because so concerned about myself. Lord, that all I do is see my needs, but Lord, feel other people's tears. And Lord, I pray the same thing, Lord, that you give us all some character. God, some unfeigned faith. Lord, that this youth group will be described as that. The more conviction, Lord, that we're going to do what's right. We're not going to be hypocrites. We're not going to go and do what everybody else does and the world does whenever we're not around someone that we believe to be a Christian. But Lord, we're going to live what we preach. God help us. We so badly need your help in this area. We'll thank you for all that you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen.